It's hard to think of a time when empty is a good thing. I mean, my, my wife and I met in college. We were, we were there, and I managed to convince myself that you could drive around on a quarter of a tank of gas in a 73 Chevy pickup for three weeks. The uh, gas gauge was stuck on a quarter of a tank, and poor Cynthia, she got so paranoid that if we even hit a bump, she thought we were running out of gas. Empty nest, some of us are going to be experiencing that soon. Just means we can go to the movies cheaper. Empty home, empty heart, empty account. It's just hard to think of times when empty is a good thing. And yet, when we come to Resurrection Sunday, we realize that the empty tomb changes everything. You know the story. I want to go ahead and read it to you. This is John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early. And now mind you, uh, that she probably had to wait for the sun to come up. She might have headed out just a little bit uh, before the sun came up. We don't know what the, what the moon was then. I know right now we have almost a full moon. And while it was still dark, that's when she left out It says that she saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran and she went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they've laid Him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. And they were going toward the tomb, both of them running together, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. By the way, I don't know if you you realize John, whose gospel that is, uh, he never refers to himself as by name. Uh, he always refers to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And, and I mentioned this when we had our, our devotions in Lenten lunch, but, but this is really funny. John's taking a jab at Peter right now. So Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, were running out and the other disciple outran him, is what he's saying. And stooping in, so Peter reached the tomb first, and stooping in, He saw the linen cloths lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, I'm sorry, that was the other disciple. Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloths lying there and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that would be John, who had reached the tomb first, don't forget that, Peter, also went in and saw and believed. For as of yet, They did not understand the scripture that he must rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes. We celebrated Good Friday here and and we purposefully make that a really somber service. In fact, I, I feel a little bit guilty every year as we do that because kind of my goal is to leave you walking out of here just a bit depressed. Now, it's hard to do because we know the rest of the story. And we even mentioned on Good Friday, Good Friday can only be Good Friday in light of Resurrection Sunday. But imagine the the disciples, not fully understanding yet because they haven't received the Holy Spirit, what, what was in Scripture and what Jesus had talked about, going and finding the tomb empty. I love the little bit that John adds that the face cloth that Jesus had was folded up and laid over neatly on the side. 
You see, the, the disciples would then encounter Jesus shortly after. And there's a, in one of the other Gospels, the, the story that the guards, I don't know if you realize, the tomb was guarded with Roman guards. And, and when they saw the angels, they, they just became like dead men is the way the Scripture describes it. And some of them stayed while the others went. We don't know how many were there, but several to report it to the religious leaders. And they came up with a story. Tell everybody that the disciples sneaked in while you were sleeping, which would have been a death sentence, by the way. Sneaked in while you were sleeping. They rolled the stone away and they carried off Jesus. That, that's, that, that's crazy for a lot of reasons. And, and that was the story that, that, that the gospel writer said was repeated even to that day. There, there was no hurry here. You, you wouldn't unwrap Jesus' body to leave the grave clothes behind. He didn't need them. And so, here what we see is, is the disciples learning that the tomb is empty. Why is that important? It's because He's not there. Now, now mind you, uh, the, the Romans would have loved nothing better than, than to put this, this talk of Jesus' resurrection to bed. But they couldn't find a body to parade through the streets. The disciples found him. Actually, he found the disciples. The fact that the tomb is empty changes everything for us. There's no body because he is risen just as he said. And and, and I, don't, I don't know how familiar you are with this. I know I didn't meet the Lord till I was 15, didn't grow up in a Christian home. And, and so as a brand new believer, had to kind of sort through a, a lot of this. And, and I just thought you just had to believe, right? I mean, it was just blind faith. And, and I even thought you had to believe that Jesus just existed. I didn't realize till I was in 11th grade that it's a historical fact that that that, that happened. But the fact that the tomb was empty, that Jesus rose from the dead, it wasn't... Here's the way that, that, that a lot of people would have you think that this played out, okay? So here it is, Sunday morning, on the third day when Jesus said he would rise, that, that the disciples sneaked away with the body, and then they got together with this grand conspiracy. Any conspiracy theorists in here? Well, listen, just because you're paranoid does not mean they're not out to get you, okay? But, but this grand conspiracy that, that, that hey, hey, here's what we're going to say. Let's put the body where nobody can find it. Here's what we're going to say. We're going to say that he rose from the dead just like he said, even though we know from Scripture they weren't even thinking that way right now. But th that he rose from the dead just like he said. And, and so here's how that would have to play out. They would have to all agree on their stories. And when someone came, they'd have to say, oh, you know, you just missed him. I mean, he was here. <laughs> and they would have to keep playing this game for a while. Here's what the Apostle Paul tells us. I love this. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8. For I delivered to you as of first importance. Paul says, listen, this is foundational for us as believers. What I also received. This was already a saying by the time Paul became a believer. Here it is. That Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. This was foretold, Isaiah we read on Good Friday. 
and that he appeared to Cephas, that is Peter, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive at the time of the writing of 1 Corinthians, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, and then to the other apostles, and then it says, and last of all, Paul says, he appeared to me as one untimely born. If you'll remember, Paul's referring to this road to Damascus when he was going to arrest Christians. You see, here are the facts. The, the tomb was empty. The body wasn't moved somewhere and hidden. That Jesus, over the next 40 days, now, sometimes that, that doesn't set into us just, just really quickly. That's six weeks, Okay. Now, that doesn't mean a whole lot. Students, what if I told you you had six more weeks of school? My daughter's graduating in just a few weeks. She would just cry. Six more weeks of school. What what if I told you I have a surprise for you, but you're going to have to wait for six weeks to get that? What if I told you what if I told you that Clint Eastwood was in town? For six weeks. You see, here's the thing. For 40 days, Jesus appeared to to multiple people over multiple periods or or multiple uh, places. And at one time, Paul's talking about here, at one time there were 500 of them. And he said, most of those 500 are still alive. You you see, the, the empty tomb changes everything for us. Paul says we need to know three things from this. One, that Jesus was crucified. He didn't faint on the cross. (laughs) He died on the cross. The the centurion who was with him made sure of that as he put the spear in his side and water and gall came out. That was how they could tell if they were still alive or not. He died physically. So so we're not talking about a resuscitation. Although I, I don't know about you. Anybody in here know CPR? Anybody? Well, if I'm killing over i'm going to kill over this side that seems to have more um resuscitation i don't know if you've had cpr lately but you know they teach you there, there are a couple of of songs that you can kind of go to get the rhythm and and i tell people i know cpr but it's lazy man cpr here's mine i, I just do my foot you know just pump it but it's I, 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 staying alive, staying alive. That, that's the rhythm. So now you, you guys can do CPR now. By the way, they say if you don't, if you don't hear anything crunch, you're not pushing hard enough. Um, th- there's another song that has the same rhythm, and, and so I just want you to know, if something happens to me and you do CPR, don't do this song, because this would freak everybody out. And it goes like this. Dun, dun, dun. Another one bites the dust. Whether you believe it or not, you sing staying alive with me, okay? Some would say Jesus was just resuscitated, that he just fainted on the cross, or he was near death on the cross. No. See, that's the whole point. The the centurion put the spear in his side. Water and gall came out. Jesus was dead. And they put him in the tomb, and he put the seal on the tomb. Not, Not just the big stone, but the Roman soldiers. And I love the verse that Kurt read earlier. They, when the disciples saw him, they thought he was a ghost. They thought he was a spirit, right? Jesus, no, 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 here, come, touch this. I've got flesh. 
I've got bones. Touch. Look. You remember Thomas said, I won't believe unless I can put my fingers in his hands and, and my hand in his side. And so when Jesus saw Thomas, he said, here, come on right here. Now, Thomas didn't have to do that. But but I love the little part that, that Kurt read. Jesus says, you have anything to eat? Jesus wasn't resuscitated. He died. He didn't come back just as a spirit. He came back in a resurrected body. And he had some fish and honeycomb. (laughs) You see that the empty tomb changes everything for us. It means that Jesus was crucified, that he was buried. And then Paul tells us that the third thing that we need to know is that he was raised on the third day just like the scripture said he was. The empty tomb changes everything for us. And here's why. If you try to look for fulfillment in this world, you won't get it. Um, I I watched that video a few times before this morning, um, and it still got to me. Because in this world... It only gives us emptiness. There is no satisfaction in this world at all. Everything in creation has been tainted by sin. Did you know that? I don't know what mosquitoes were supposed to be, but I don't think that's what it was. I don't know where chiggers came from, but I don't think that's what it's supposed to be. Everything. And creation is tainted by sin. And it affects us. Not only does it separate us in relationship with God, it separates us in relationship with one another. And that would be bad enough, but it's not even there that it stops. Sin even separates us in ourselves. That there's an emptiness, that there's a, a void. You see, on the cross... Jesus gave us freedom from sin and death. I thought I'd get at least one amen out of that. Let's practice this again. On the cross, Jesus gave us freedom from sin and death. As Jesus hung on the cross, the one who knew no sin became our sin. And then he took the wrath of God, the punishment for our sin. He took. So that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he meant it is paid in full. Your debt for sin is canceled. It's gone. Colossians 2.13 says that. Paul says, and you who are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made, God made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he did. He set it aside, nailing it to the cross. Now that's one account I'm fine with being empty. But he did better than that. He didn't empty our sin account. He canceled it. For those who trust in Christ, you are without sin. And you're saying, "Uh uh-uh. God says, "Uh uh-huh. That's Greek, by the way. You say that in Hebrew... It comes out as, oh yeah. On the cross, Jesus gave us freedom from sin and from death. He's victorious. 
He won. Through the resurrection, Jesus gives us life. And listen, this isn't, I remember years and years ago in our little paper, The Mountain Monthly, somebody, somebody used to write a column, and, and, and I remember one of those particularly, uh, they were talking about the purpose of life is to survive and thrive. I don't know about you, but if this is all there is, that's pretty sad. You know, they say the only two things that are certain in life is death and taxes. There may be a couple of more things certain than that, but this is not all there is. Jesus came so that we could have life. In John 10, 10, he tells us that the thief, he only comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you might have life and might have it abundantly. Here's the way that, that I take that. Jesus is saying, I came so that you can have life the way God created it to be. In right relationship with the Father. Full life. Abundant. I don't mean uh, rich and wealthy and full of stuff. Um, in fact, I think the less stuff I have, maybe the better off I am. But I mean that we're full, that that, that emptiness is replaced with relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Paul puts it this way in Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and by the way, this isn't a it might be kind of if, this is a if and it is so kind of if. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. He came that we could have life. The cross gave us freedom, victory over sin and death. Jesus' resurrection gives us life. That, that's why uh, Paul talks about in, in Scripture that, that Jesus was the, the firstborn of many. Jesus wasn't born. He wasn't created. He's God the Son, eternal. But what he means is Jesus was the first of the resurrected who received the resurrected body. And for those who trust in him, even though we die, we'll still live. You see, the empty tomb means that we don't have to be empty. The empty tomb means that Jesus didn't die and stay dead. The empty tomb means that he is victorious over sin and death and that he came to give us life. Let me read this. Most of you, you know this, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Love this. This doesn't give you hope. Come talk with me because your hope getter is broken. I don't know. What then shall we say to these things? Paul asked. If God is for us, who can be against us? I like to say if God's for us, it really doesn't matter who's against us. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How he will, will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It's God who justifies. When God says it's so, it's so is what Paul is saying. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died more than that, who was raised. Who is at the right hand of God, who is indeed interceding for us. 
Every single day for those who believe, every moment of every day, Jesus intercedes for you. Isn't that cool? He's praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are all being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. By the way, that, didn't, that wasn't only true of believers in, this, in Paul's day and age. It's still happening. But Paul says, basically, in spite of this, he says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. That includes you, by the way. You're part of the anything else created part. Let me ask you this this morning. You ever just kind of feel like something's missing? Is there an emptiness that you've tried to fill with other things? It's Jesus who came to save us. And he saves us from our sin. He sets us free from our sin. He saved us from the penalty of our sin. But, but for those of you even who have believed, who've trusted in him already, here's something you need to know, that he continues to save you. He saves you from your loneliness. He saves you from your emptiness. He saves you from that, that, that feeling that, oh, if I just had a little bit more, if I could just get this, or if I just met the right person, or if I had the right relationship. He saves you from everything. And he's the only one who can. So this morning, let me encourage you as we celebrate the resurrection because the empty tomb changed everything. Let me encourage you this way. This morning, before you leave here today, let's spend some time with God. And and let's just, I don't know if you've ever prayed this. Jesus, would you just fill me up with you? Holy Spirit, would you just fill me with you to the point that that I don't have to look somewhere else? Jesus said, I came that you could have life and you could have it abundantly, exactly the way God wants you to be. And every single one of us can walk away from here with that relationship. If you've never put your hope and trust in Christ, let me encourage you to do that today. Listen, um, I didn't grow up in a Christian home at 15 I, I, the best way I could describe it is just God got a hold of this little punk. And he broke through my emptiness with his love. And, and all I did was just respond to his grace. <laughs> I didn't really know how I could do anything else, by the way. If that's you today, you, I, I just want you to know that there is the God who loves you so much that he didn't spare anything for you. He gave his son, his only son, in ways that we can never even fathom when Jesus took our sin on the cross and then the punishment for our sin. That's how much God loves you.
And he wants a relationship with you that I promise will change everything. For those of you who've already done that, let me encourage you this way. Why don't we today just say, God, just fill me with you, would you? This emptiness over here, Jesus, would you just fill that? I know I've been trying to take care of it with this, but that's not working. Would you just do that? Jesus, you said you came so that I could have life and have it abundantly. That's what I want this morning. By the way, I'm not talking about things. I'm talking about relationship with him to the point that it fills it up that we don't need anything but him. Let me pray for us. And then as we enter a time of invitation and response, I would encourage you. I, I just, just beg you. Would, would you just respond to him? Now, you can come down to the altar if you want, but you don't have to. You can take care of that right where you are with God. But don't leave here today until you've taken care of business with God. Let's, let's pray. Lord, you're amazing. Your love never grows old for me. God, I, I remember every detail of when you snatched me from the gates of hell. And you continue to amaze me with your love for me. For over 30 years, you pursued relationship with me. You changed me from the inside out. You opened my mind. Give me understanding into your word. And, and, and God, I, I'm firmly convinced that I'll spend the rest of eternity exploring the depths of your love for me. God, I thank you that the tomb was empty. That Jesus not only died on the cross to, to set me free from sin, but that he also rose to give me life. Father, I pray that for everyone here, Lord, Holy Spirit, I just ask you would speak to us, that you would draw us to you, that no one would leave here today without encountering you in a way that will change their, their life for this life and all eternity. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.